that that storm has to stop eventually and the skies will clear and the sun will come out. Amen. I want you to go to Psalms 37 this morning if you have your Bibles. And I want to uh, talk about trust this morning. Trusting God always. Always. Amen. Tell the person next to you, we're going to trust God all the time. And then say, no matter what. Amen. No matter what. As you're getting to Psalms 37, um, I want to uh, just remind you that we, we are, we're living in days that are very uneasy, very unrestful. Um, not just the, the, the storms that we've had, those, those come, that storms come a lot, but just the stuff that's going on around the world and in the economy and, and with wars and rumors of wars and many things like that. And we just have to be reminded this morning that everything's written, amen, everything's already put, put in the book and we know what's going to happen. We know how the book's going to end. How many are thankful this morning that we know how the book's going to end? Amen. We've got the peace to know that, that God's got control of everything. But there, there are times coming in, in, in the near future where things are going to get shakier than this world has ever seen. And we have to forecast that to let the world know, not, not in a doom and gloom, scary uh, way, but to let them know that things are coming they can be ready for. I talked about this on Wednesday night that, you know, we have the technology now that when Katrina, uh, when uh, Harvey happened in, in Houston, they, they knew a week before that came that that storm was going to happen. And they had the time to be able to uh, tell people, to tell them to get their houses wooded up, boarded up, and, and if anybody who wanted to evacuate could evacuate and things like that. But I was reading something really interesting. You might, have, might or might not have heard this. I was reading about the mayor of Houston deciding not to choose to evacuate the city. And uh, the reason was, is when you try to evacuate six million people, that causes more trouble and more problem than the storm itself. Because you have a lot of people trying to go to a small place. If we were here this morning and we had a, a horrible event in here, everybody would run to the doors and thank God we have four places to get out of here, amen? But if there was just one, it would be dangerous as everybody ran to that spot to get out. Um, so I want you to think about this morning how uh, we don't know when things are going to hit us. We don't know when things are going to come. We don't know the day or the hour. But we can know this morning that we can trust God in whatever situation we're going through this morning, amen? And we might not know when it's coming or how it's coming, but we can say, God, I trust you. And if you're here this morning and you have trust issues, I hope this message speaks to you. Because whether you admit it or not, there are people in here that have trust issues. And I want to tell you about an animal that has trust issues. There's an animal called the giraffe that has trust issues. Uh, about three or four years ago, me and my wife were blessed to be able to go to San Diego for one of our uh, anniversaries, and we just took a few days and went over there and just hung out for a couple days downtown, and uh, we heard about the zoo in San Diego, which is uh, heralded as one of the best zoos in the whole United States, and so we were, we were blessed to be able to go there and just walk around and uh, look at the animals, and, and one thing really stuck out to me as we were going through the zoo and walking around, uh, I think at one point we might have been, I don't know if we were walking or on, a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on something. That, were, we, were, were we on something? We were walking. Okay. Uh, we were walking, and I remember that the, someone was telling us, uh, a guide or something, that as we got to the giraffes, um, how many like giraffes, by the way? Aren't they cool animals? They're super amazing. Uh, they can be 16 to 20 feet tall. 
That's, that's really high. Uh, it probably as high as this roof. They would barely fit in here. And um, he said that, he said, I want you to notice something very interesting. He said, I want you to look at the wall in front of those 16 to 20 foot giraffes. And they're almost all legs. The, the, the wall that was holding the giraffes in from coming out to the street where we were was not a big 15 foot wall. It was a wall that was just four feet tall. Just four feet tall. And if you looked at that, you thought, how in the world is that giraffe staying inside that wall when he's so tall, all he'd have to do is lift up his leg and step over and walk out of the zoo. And what they said was that when a giraffe is born, they're afraid of heights. They're, giraffes, are, they're, they're kind of stuck because they're up there for their whole lives. And they hardly ever lay down because it's so hard to get up. Sleep only about 10 minutes to an hour a day. But the thing that blew me away was is, is, is giraffes have trust issues because when they're born, they fall six feet head first to the ground. Now, it's as tall as I am. And they fall head first and they hit their head real hard. And you might say, well, they're a baby. They wouldn't remember that. Well, they're different than us because within an hour, giraffes are running around. So it's not the same as a human being. They remember the fall. Okay, they immediately have consciousness. They come out real big, and they hit that ground. They're head first, and they think, I don't, listen, they think, I don't ever want to do that again. Right? How many have ever had something really bad happen, and you make a mental note, that is never going to happen to me again. Amen. And so they, they scared the rest of their lives, and so giraffes don't have to have those big old walls. They just put a little small wall there, just big enough to where they'd be afraid to lift up their leg because they think, if I don't make it over this, I'm going to fall, and I have a mental note in my head that that was not fun. Okay? So giraffes have trust issues. Many of us in here this morning, because of things that have happened in our lives, have trust issues. And, and a lot of times we have trust issues because... We deal with people. It can be family. It can be friends. It can be close loved ones. It can be uh, people you've dealt with at work, whatever it is. And, and, I, and, I, and you're all extra quiet right now, so I know I'm hitting a nerve. Amen. We have trust issues. But we have a God who wants us to know that he is not a person. As Dwayne said, he is not a man that can lie. Amen. He cannot fail. He's a God who will always come through. But he is standing there on his throne today saying, please learn to trust me. Psalm 37, verse 3. You got your Bibles, look at it. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness delight yourself in the Lord and he shall what a promise give you the desires of your heart now watch this here's the key all that sounds good but here's the key commit your way to the Lord see a lot of people want to trust God and a lot of people want the the goodness of God and a lot of people want the to feed on his faithfulness and a lot of people say oh that sounds good but God says I need you to commit your life to me if you will place your life in my hands and trust me all the days of your life I will do amazing things in your life but the problem is many of us don't ever get to that place of trust because we've been hurt by somebody we've been hurt by a situation and we're afraid to trust God we're afraid to put our hands in the hands of a God we, we say we can't see or sometimes feel. But God is, 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 just, is just wanting so bad for us to trust. Now, here's the crazy part. 
This is why God allows, if you've ever wondered, God allows bad things to happen or allows us to go through storms. Because if we never go through a storm, we never understand what it is, as I said earlier, to see the sun come out. If you never go through a problem, you never understand what it is to have God grab you and hold you in the middle of a storm. Is there anybody here that has had God hold you in the middle of a storm in your life? And you know when you come, maybe not in the middle of it. In the middle of it, you're a little bit worried, you're a little bit stressed. But you somehow say, God, I trust you anyways. And when the storm's over, you say, there's no way that could have happened if it wasn't for God. There's no way I could have came through that if it wasn't for God. Amen. He's so amazing. He's so faithful to me. But listen, God wants you to get to that place this morning where you trust him. I I thank God now as as I look back and think about the struggles that I've gone through in my life, especially in the ministry and on the mission field and doing things for God, all the obstacles that were placed in front of us. It makes you appreciate the things that when the blessings come, it makes you appreciate it because you've you've fought through something. You've got some battle scars. You've had to you've had to have some rough days where you've had to really what trust God. How, how, you know, trust is like faith. It builds in you. You're not born with it. You have to build it. You have, it's there. It's like a muscle. Your muscles are there, but you have to learn to use them. You have to learn to, to build them up. And the more you use them, the stronger they get. Amen. Trust is the same way. Many people in here are not using their trust muscles. They're not using their faith muscles. That last song, what a great lead in. I love the fact that we don't plan the service. We don't, I don't tell them what to sing. We, don't, we, just, we just let the Holy Spirit lead. What a great lead in to this message. They don't ever know what I'm going to preach. Don't fear. Don't fear. Trust God. Amen. Don't fear. Don't be like that giraffe that says, man, I had a hard fall when I was born. I'm afraid something's going to happen again. Let's finish verse 5. It says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. And he will do this. So do you, see the, do you see the if there? He says, I want you to eat off the goodness of the land, but, and I want you to commit me to me, and if you will, and you'll trust me, then I'll do those things. Okay? I'll do those things that you want me to do. And he says, he will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. I like to think about trust being the glue that holds our faith together. Amen? How many know, we've, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. But, but faith is held together by our trust. By being able to sit in a situation. Now, think about Hebrews eleven six. 6. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. I believe everybody in here wants to please God. Every single one of you want to make God happy. Let me give you a recipe this morning. Have faith. Let me give you a recipe this morning. Trust him. When you're, if you're in a storm right now, you can begin to listen to this message. And in your spirit, you can begin to say, God, I am, I'm going, right now I'm making a decision. I've been, I've been failing on my trust. I've been holding back. I've been, I've been worrying. I've been stressing about this. I'm done stressing. Right now I'm making a decision. I'm going to trust you. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care what it feels like. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. You know what happens? As you begin to trust, something inside of you begins to build up and God begins to to orchestrate a miracle. God begins to move in the situation that you're in and you're thinking, how's he going to do it? And then what's cool about it is once you have him come through once, 
the next time you know he's going to do it again. And you don't get to the place where you fear like you used to fear before. It's not even a fear of, 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 of the fear that you would think. It's a fear of, 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 the, of the flesh fighting the spirit. But inside of that battle, there's something in your spirit that says, I know God's going to come through. I'm just excited to see how he's going to do it this time because he's never going to do it the same way twice. Amen. But he's going to come through. Can you tell, tell somebody next to you, he's going to come through for you. Amen. Trust him. Trust him. So when it comes to trusting God, I want to give you another thought about like the giraffes. People are like buzzards, bats, and bumblebees. Tell someone next to you, you're like a buzzard, a bat, and a bumblebee. You didn't think you were going to be called a bat or a bumblebee at church today, did you? The worst one's the buzzard, obviously. Think about this. It says if you put a buzzard in a pen that's six foot by eight foot and is entirely open at the top, that buzzard, in spite of its ability to fly, will be a prisoner in that place. And the reason is, is that buzzard always begins to fly from the ground running 10 to 12 feet to get a start. So just by putting him in a place where he cannot get his running start, he's, he could probably fly going straight up, but that's how he learned. Now picture that. Don't we, aren't we a product this morning of something that happened to us when we were younger? Something that caught, I'm not going to ask you to raise your, your, your hands, but we all have phobias, whether we like it or not, whether we admit it or not. We all have some kind. You might, oh, I don't. Oh, I promise you, you do. I promise you, you do. I promise you, you have something. And, and some of them are more, uh, you know, uh, easy to spot than others. How many, how many are like me this morning and you're claustrophobic in any way? You, you don't like small spaces. Okay? How many are afraid of heights? All right? You're afraid of, uh, of snakes. Some of y'all are raising your hand on all of them. We're going to come forward for prayer this morning. Amen. <laughs> Just kidding. I haven't seen anybody raise their hand for more than one. But I could go on and on. There's, there's things. Uh, my mother-in-law is really afraid of earthquakes. And she lives in a country where there's an earthquake every day. But she's had to face that. What's really bad, she, she jumps up on that bed. She's scared. Amen. We all have something. I'm scared, of, like I said, of a small space. You get me in a small area, I'm looking for a door. If I don't see a door, I'm not going in. I don't like elevators, and I definitely don't like small elevators that go real slow. So I'll take the stairs. I'll go four or five flights up. Several years ago, my wife and I and the girls were in Mexico preaching the conference there, and we got there. It was a long flight. We flew somewhere, and then we flew somewhere else, and we finally got to another city, and then we had to drive like an hour to get over to Mexico City to our hotel. So it was like 1 o'clock in the morning. We were tired. And, and we didn't really, you know, when you go to another country, you don't know where you're going. It was our first time there. We drove in, and we're just kind of half awake. And all of a sudden, I realized we were in a parking garage. And we got out and got our suitcases and stuff. And all of a sudden, the elevator door opened. And I'm just, you know, if I would have been in my better senses and more awake, I wouldn't have got in the elevator. But we got in and just kind of, and then all of a sudden, that door shut. And everybody's right here with our suitcases. And that thing took three hours to move. Now, it's probably only like 40 seconds. To me, it was three hours. And guess how many more times I got on that elevator that whole trip? Zero. We were four floors up, and the altitude's really high. And thank God my, my wife and daughters went with me most times. I started going up and down on those stairs. Why? Because I was afraid of that. Amen? Something happens. Why am I saying this? Something happens like that buzzard. He only has a certain way that he knows he can fly. Those wings are going to work. 
either way, but he learned somehow in his environment that he's got to get a running start to get out. And so something happened to us when we were younger in some situation that's caused us to be afraid of things and not trust. People have robbed us of our trust. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? Are we, in a, are we in a world where people have robbed us of our trust through situations? Another one is the bat. That's one ugly bat. That's one ugly animal, the bat. If anybody in here likes bats, I don't want you to raise your hand, and I don't want to talk to you. Amen. After church. Bats are ugly. And we had a bat problem in Costa Rica, too, in our house. Yeah, ew. They got into our walls, and they stink. And so does their stuff that they put out. Amen. They stink. And we had several bats inside of our, our house. And so I finally, and we had a chalet house. Is that how you say it? I always say it wrong. I think someone always corrects me. Chalet. Chalet. See, no matter how I say it, I say it wrong. We had that house with that real high pitch. And I had to get way up there one day. And I'm not afraid of heights, thank God. And we got those. I had to put some pepper down there. We finally figured out how to get them out. And so finally one day uh, we put some pepper in there, and then they, they started coming out. But that pepper makes them kind of dumb, and so they're just kind of floating out. And so I, I hadn't golfed for a while, so I went and golfed my golf clubs. And I went golfing with bats, amen. And I, and I hit one about 40 yards down the driveway, and it stuck on a pole. And that was, that was my, uh, my trophy for a long time. Every time someone come over, I say, look at the bat up there. Ugly animal, okay? But bats uh, fly around at night, obviously. They're a remarkably nimble creature in the air, but cannot take off from a level place. If they're on level ground, they're done. They have to be someplace that's not level. So if, they, if you put a bat on, this is good to know for the future, if you want to kill it, if you were to put a bat on level ground, it's helpless because it has to have some kind of elevation to be able to throw itself into the air, and then it can take off. Now, the bumblebee, a bumblebee, if dropped into an open tumbler, will be there till it dies, unless it is taken out. Very similar, it never sees the means of escape at the top. I want you to start listening right now if you haven't caught anything yet. That bumblebee only sees around him, only sees the walls around him, only hits those walls, even though if it was in a tumbler or a jar, they would only hit glass. They couldn't see. They kept hitting. But the bee would never look up where the escape was. And a, and a bumblebee would stay there until it died, until it completely destroys itself, hitting itself against the walls of the glass. Think about us this morning. How many times do we hit ourselves against the glass? How many times do we keep running into the same walls over and over again? How many times do we keep hurting ourselves because we're looking all around us for the answer and the last thing we ever do is look up at God. God is there waiting for us to look up at him and that's the last thing we do so many times. And listen, church, the truth is some people will never look up. Some people will never look up. So in many ways, we as people are like the bees, the buzzards, and the bumblebees, sorry, the bats. We don't look up when all we have to do is look up. Psalm 40, verse 4 says, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. Listen to that. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud and who does not turn aside to false gods. Isn't it amazing today how many people just go everywhere but God? Does anybody else get amazed about that, that we just go everywhere but God? 
We go to the bottle. We go to drugs. We go to things. We go to people. We go everywhere but God. And God is the only one that can truly get us out of our situation. Proverbs 28, 25 says, A greedy man stirs up dissension, but he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. Now, this isn't a thing where we read that verse, okay, the Bible says if I trust the Lord, he's going to prosper me. Trusting and sitting are, not, are two different things. It's not where you just sit there and don't do anything and expect God to come along. Like the old story where the guy was drowning and, and the boat came along and the helicopter came along and had all these opportunities to, to get out and said, no, God will save me, God will save me, God will save me, okay? And then hypothetically gets to heaven and uh, the, the, Peter says, hey, we sent you a boat, we sent you a, a plane and you didn't take any of those ways out. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about we do what we're supposed to do, and then when we're done doing what we're supposed to do, we've committed our ways to the Lord. We're, we're, we're living for him. We're, we're having faith. We're doing the right thing. Then we sit back and say, okay, God, I've done everything that I know to do. I have done my part, and now this is a place where I can't do my part anymore. You've got to step in. I trust that you're going to finish the work. And doesn't the Bible say that he will complete the work that he's been began in us? So we need to understand that if we trust him, he will prosper us. Here's another powerful verse in the Psalms. 111 verse 7. The work of his hands are faithful and just, and all his precepts are trustworthy. Amen? The work of his hands are faithful and just, and all his precepts are trustworthy. Now, I, want to, I, just, I just read this uh, not too long ago, but I, I want to read it again this morning. It's an example of how we look at life sometimes. Sometimes something said twice is important because we get it. Um, I want you to write down in your notes, we have to trust that God is in control. We have to trust that God is in control. A daughter is telling, some of you will remember this, her mother how everything is wrong. She's failing in school. Her friends don't like her. Her best friend's moving away. Her mother, at the same time, is baking a cake. I just said this. It's a great example. And her daughter says, honey, do you want a snack? Now, who doesn't like cake? Amen? She says, yeah, mom, I'd love some of your cake. How many know someone that makes a really good cake here? Let me see your hands. Do any of you here make a really good cake? I don't believe you. I want, to, I, want to, I want to be able to be the judge myself, amen? And I like chocolate a lot. So as she's making this cake, she says, here, ha- here, baby, have some cooking oil. She puts it on a spoon. And the daughter is like, that's nasty, mom. And then she grabs some flour and puts it in her hand. And, and then, oh, how about some baking soda? And she hands it to her. Here, eat this. Mom, that's nasty. That's gross. You don't do that. Then she says, well, how about some, some eggs? She chops some eggs up and tries to hand her. She says, Mom, these are nasty things. What are you doing? Why are you trying to give me these? She says, well, if you eat these things by themselves, it's gross. But it isn't, isn't it interesting that that flour that's gross by itself, those eggs, raw eggs that would be gross by themselves, that baking soda, all those different things that she tried, if you put them in a cake, all of a sudden with all those ingredients together, all of a sudden it tastes good. Sometimes we're in a situation in our life that we're, we're feeling like this is baking soda right now. But are we thinking about the fact that God's making a cake? That God is doing something with that ingredient at that moment, and it might not taste good at that moment, but it's part of a bigger picture? 
He's allowing you to go through something at this moment that is making you a better person, that is causing you to have more faith, that is, that it is painting you a picture. How many know if you begin to put a puzzle together, it don't look good until all the pieces are there? Matter of fact, many times if it's a big puzzle with a lot of pieces, you can't even understand what the picture is until all the pieces are there. We've got to trust God this morning that he is doing something in my life right now and he's doing something in your life right now and he's doing something in our lives right now that is making us better, amen? And he is drawing a picture. If we really believe the word of God that says he, he knows the thoughts that he thinks towards us and that he has a plan to prosper us, how many know we've got to believe that this morning? Amen? Amen? God works that same way as that cake. I want to give you another verse in Isaiah, verse 20, chapter 26, verse 4. These are some short verses. I know maybe you're not getting time to get there, but if you can write them down. It says, trust in the Lord forever. How many this morning have made a decision that you're going to trust God forever? I have. I'm not going to trust him for a while. I'm not going to trust him for, to see how it works out. I'm going to trust him no matter what. Isn't that the attitude God's looking for us to have? I'm going to trust him no matter what. Amen. No, no matter what happens. And, and a lot of years ago, I heard, I heard a verse that really changed my life. It really, really uh, gave me perspective on life. And it was in Matthew where it says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Sometimes as believers... We think erroneously that because we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we say, Lord, I'm all yours, that all of a sudden we're going to walk around in a spiritual divine bubble. How many, are, how many understand what I'm saying? That's, that's error. And a lot of times the church fails in that area that we don't let people know. Listen, just because you just got saved and you're, now you're saved and your heart is changed and you're going to have eternal life and, and your faith is in Jesus does not mean that, you are gonna, that everything is just perfect now and, and your job's going to get better and, and your relationships are going to get better and you're never going to have any pain again and you're never going to have any problems again. That's not what the Bible teaches. Matter of fact, Psalm says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Okay, so we're going to have afflictions. We're going to have struggles. And the quicker you get to understand that you're going to have struggles in this life, the quicker you're going to learn to trust. And the longer you're going to spend in what the Bible calls that wilderness and that desert of doubt. You got to get to where you're saying, Lord, I don't understand this. This does not make sense to me. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but there's a bunch of people in here who are analytical. And you are, oh boy, you're tearing that thing apart. You're dissecting it and you're saying this shouldn't be this way and this shouldn't be that way. This is how this is supposed to be. You can't do that with God. You cannot analyze things. You have to sit back and say, God, like Job did. I love, I love the story of Job because Job got rebuked by God. Job got, he, he did great. I mean, kudos to him on everything he did in that book. But at one point, he got a little bit cocky. And God said, were you there when I threw the stars in the sky? Were you there when I put the borders on the ocean? And he says, he basically saying, who do you think you are? I don't want God to say that to me. I want to say to God, I know who you are. Amen. You're the one that threw the stars in the sky. You're the one that put the border on the waters. You're the one who made me perfectly and wondrously and in your image. I'm just, you know what? You're in control, God. Here, take over. I'm going to stop questioning you. The quicker you stop questioning, the quicker you start seeing God move in your life. 
She says, I'll trust in the Lord forever. And he says, the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. I want to close with a story this morning, a Jesus loves me story about trust. One day, a very beautiful, troubled little girl came through the door of a nursery. From the very beginning, this lady says, I became, became captivated by this child who had, had, had so little but needed so much. I was heartbroken that a four-year-old could suffer such heartache and pain. This little girl had been born in prison after her mom had used marijuana, crack, and cocaine her entire pregnancy. The little girl was nonverbal and had very little control of herself, and I knew that her progress in this nursery would be a battle. Whenever somebody approached her, she became violent for long periods and usually ended up in a fetal position on the floor, crying and screaming out loud. I found myself praying for this little girl every day, day in and day out. As months rolled on, notice the months rolled on, I began to bond with this child that no one else wanted. She and I worked very hard, taking one step forward and four steps back. One step forward and four steps back. Daily we sat in the big rocking chair in the nursery, swaying back and forth, and one day, when I was rocking her, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I began to sing to her, Jesus loves me. Every time I, from that moment forward I began to sing, Jesus loves me, she would calm down and become very still during the song. She never said a word, but peace seemed to fill her face as I sang, sang this song to her. One day, after a very long battle with her, I held my special girl again to calm her fears and pain. And once again in silence, I rocked back and forth with her, and I began to sing to her again how Jesus loves her. And all of a sudden, with a tear-filled eye, she looked at me and said, for the first time, sing to me again about that man who loves me. That's what we all need in this place. We need to know that where people have failed us and people have hurt us, God won't fail, and God won't hurt us. Amen. We can trust in God this morning. We can trust in his sovereignty. We can trust in who he says he is. I want to give you just a couple more verses. Psalm 56 verse 3 says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. Would you, would you just think about that this morning? The next time you're afraid, maybe you're afraid right now, that you just say, God, I trust in you. I trust in you. How many know this morning he's a big God? Bigger than we can even imagine. Bigger than we can even fathom. We, we have not grasped. That's why the Bible says eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard all the things that he has prepared for us, for those who love him. And it hasn't even entered into the heart of man, the thoughts of man. So, so he's a big God. And sometimes the reason that he's so big can, can distance us in a way that we have a hard time trusting him because the distance seems so great. That's what's so amazing about God is that he is so big yet so intimate. How many have felt his presence? How many have felt his peace? 
How many have known his goodness this morning in certain situations? Listen, I'm not talking about, uh, uh, you know, being out looking at a beautiful sunset, drinking a coffee and saying, you know, thank you, God, for, for your, that's an awesome time. But I'm talking about being in a real situation where hell is breaking loose and it seems like there's no way out and it seems like there's nothing good that's going to happen. And all of a sudden, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of problems, in the midst of pain, in the midst of fear, some kind of calm comes over you that only can be God. Amen. And it's a peace that passes all understanding this morning. And when that happens, that's where you say, God, I know you're real. So when I'm afraid, I will trust you. Now, one of my favorite verses in the Bible goes into a lot of more of my favorite verses, but it's John 14 verse one. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, it goes on to say some awesome things about the fact that he's preparing a place for us and there's many, many places and many mansions in heaven and an awesome chapter. Matter of fact, if you ever get down, I say this all the time, if you ever just need a lifter, just go read John 14. Just go read that chapter. Read the whole thing and you will be happy. You know why? Because church, we got to remember that we're passing through. Amen? This is not forever here. And, and, and you know what? Some might say, hey, I love this, Lord. I love life. Great. That's good. This is not it. This is not it. We have an eternity waiting for us this morning. We have eternal life waiting for us. Amen? And it doesn't matter what storm can come on us this morning. God has something better for us. But the way we get to that better is by trusting in the now. Amen? We can't think about the future and, and th- say, God, what are you going to do there if I don't trust him now in the storm? He says, don't let your hearts, hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Amen? Now let's go to Romans 15. Or sorry, Proverbs chapter 3. I told you two more. I had three. Proverbs chapter 3. Hopefully, you know these verses this morning. And if you don't, they'd be awesome ones to learn. Amen? Proverbs chapter 3. You mean amen when you're there? Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. And lean not. Oh boy, somebody got to get a revelation on this this morning. Lean not. On your own understanding. In all your ways. Here's the thing. This goes back to the the one we started with in Psalms. Where he says commit to the Lord. In all your ways. Acknowledge him. And he'll do what? Direct your paths. Another power verse right there. Trust in the Lord always. Lean not on your own understanding. If you could just stop long enough this morning to realize how much we mess life up because of our own ways. I was talking about this Wednesday how, and you know people too, and maybe you're that person who's just never grown up yet. Just haven't grown up yet. You might be in your 30s or 40s and you're you're still acting like a teenager. Or you know somebody like that. Just haven't grown up yet. You haven't matured yet. And you and you haven't realized that all you do every single day is get up and do what you want to do. And you haven't realized yet that what you want to do is messing up what God wants to do. He he's he's standing there as an almighty God saying, I sure would like to fix your problem. 
I sure would like to bless you. I sure would like to direct your paths. But you know what the amazing thing about God is? Is he is a gentleman and he sits back and he waits until we give him the reins. And in all his love, he allows us to choose. And don't ever be unthankful for that. Be thankful he allows us to choose. I'm thankful that God gives me a choice. I'm thankful that I, I choose this morning whether to believe in him or not. I thank God I'm not a robot, that I have a free will to be able to say yes or no to God. But many years ago, I learned if I keep doing things my way, I'm going to end up in a place I don't want to be. I got to change today. Today, through the revelation of the Holy Spirit, you might hear the Holy Spirit speaking, uh, that's you. And you might have thought when I first said it, you might have thought of your friend. You might have thought of somebody else. Maybe it's you. Maybe it is somebody else. But we're leaning on our own understanding. We're, we're, we're like that bumblebee. We keep running into the glass. We keep hitting the other side. We start bleeding. We start suffering. And, and, and God is just standing there silently saying, I'm right here. Look up. Look up. If you'll look up, I'll help you. So it says, commit your ways to the Lord. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. And finally, Romans 15 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. Father, this morning, thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for your powerful word. These are not my words, God. They're your words. Lord, in a, in a world we live in today with so much uncertainty, with understanding, God, the times that we're living in biblically, understanding, God, that, that we're in a, in a time where there's a lot of unrest, Father, and we're seeing the words of your prophecies fulfilled. We're seeing, uh, Lord, a day where people don't respect God anymore and they're doing their own thing and violence is everywhere and hatred is everywhere. Father, in these days, in these days more than ever, we need to trust you. And, and so maybe this morning we have to shout out to you, God, and say, Lord, I need help with my trust. I'm like that giraffe. I've got trust issues. I've been hurt really bad. Maybe you're here and you're like that giraffe and you had something happen to you when you were younger and you've never been able to trust again. People have failed you over and over and over again. Well, my words to you this morning is stop putting your trust in people and trust God. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not good people that you can follow. That doesn't mean that they're, that's why Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You see someone that's imitating Christ, follow their example. But don't be that person this morning that, that has been hurt. And, and because someone has hurt you, you don't trust the Lord. Because he is good. And his mercies endure forever. And the Bible says, great is his faithfulness. All over this place this morning as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed and we're praying and we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work because, again, my words are not going to change you. 
My words are not going to do anything for you, but the Holy Spirit can do something so powerful this morning. The Holy Spirit can change you and transform you. The Holy Spirit can, can give you hope this morning. The Holy Spirit can teach you to trust Him this morning. He can come in gently and say, hey, I'm here. And He can put His hands on your shoulders and say, trust me. Trust me this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're listening online. Maybe you're, you're, you're here and you're desperate for change. You're desperate for God to do something. And, and, and the Holy Spirit is saying, this message is for you. But the Holy Spirit is also saying, I'm not Lord of your life. I want to be Lord of your life. The Bible says, Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. He who believes in me. He who believes, Jesus said, he who believes in me shall never die. That's a powerful promise. But you have to acknowledge him. You have to put your faith in him. You have to trust in him this morning. You have to confess him as your Lord and your Savior. It's not just a religious act. It's not just a quick prayer. It's faith believing that Jesus took your place on the cross. That you are a sinner, I'm a sinner, we're all sinners, and we're all separated from the glory of God this morning because of our sin nature. But today, I can put my faith in Jesus. Today, I can say, Jesus, I'm lost without you. I want these promises that you're telling me I can have. I want to have no more trust issues. And Jesus says, just let me into your life. Just give me the place that I've wanted to have your whole life. How many could say, that's me this morning? I'm not saved this morning. If I died today, if I passed into eternity today, I'm not ready. But you want to be ready this morning. You want to say that prayer. Just lift your hand and put it back down all over this place. God bless you. God bless you. I'm not, that's me. I need Jesus this morning. Maybe you're here this morning, and at some point in your life, you said that prayer, and you meant it. And you gave your life to Jesus and, and you confessed him. And, and, and maybe he even came in and, and really did some amazing things in your life. But today, you're like the prodigal son. And you've drifted away. And you're not walking with God the way you once were. And, and something inside of you today is drawing you back. And God is saying, son, daughter, I know that I've never left you, but you've walked away from me. But I'm still here. I've never gone. I'm still here waiting for you. Come home. Come home. And you know what's so awesome about God? It's his mercies are new every single morning. And the Bible says, if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me of all my sins. And listen to this promise. And cleanse me from all my unrighteousness. Oh, there's so much joy to know the blood of Jesus covers me this morning. How many could say, that's me, Pastor. I'm, I'm that prodigal son, that prodigal daughter. God bless you. I see your hand. I need to come home today. I need to come home. I need to get my life in order. God bless you. He sees your hand. Amen. I, I need, God bless you. I need, I need that today. You know, tomorrow's not promised. Tomorrow's not promised. You know why this, this building's open? You know why the doors are open, the lights are on? So that people will know the hope that there is in Jesus before the storm comes. That we can be ready for that day that comes so unexpectedly upon people. Hundreds of thousands of people die every day and go into eternity. Every day. 
But the Bible says that that day does not have to come upon us like a thief in the night. We can be ready. How? Putting our faith in Jesus. As we stand this morning, would you stand with me? I want to do one more thing. I'm really serious about this because I really believe that if you're going to live for the Lord, you've got to live for the Lord everywhere. You've got to be bold. The Bible says if I'm in Christ this morning, I'm, there's no longer any condemnation in my life, and I'm, I'm a new creation. So if you raised your hand this morning, I'm never going to say sorry for this. I'm never going to be afraid to ask people to make a bold statement, step out and say, I want Jesus. The reason is, is I say this all the time and I believe it. If you can't live for Jesus in a church, you will not do anything for Jesus outside of these four walls. If you can't confess Christ in a place where Jesus is, where people that love God is, how will you do that with your friends and your family outside at a party or at some job place or, or some, some other? How are you going to do that if you can't do it here? If you raised your hand for being a prodigal son or you want to give your life to Jesus this morning, I want to challenge you to step out of your seat and come stand right here in front of me and I want to say a prayer with you this morning. Just step out and come. We want to pray with you right now all over this place. I'm going to give my life to Jesus right now. I'm going to make a statement to him. Just stay looking at me. Amen. God bless you. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but something inside of you is saying, I got to go right now. That's, that's me. I got to go. I got to get down there. I got I to gotta get my life right. Maybe you're going to come pray with somebody. Amen. Someone's behind all of you. We're here for you. Amen. You're not alone. We're going to say this prayer. If you're listening online this morning, we're going to say the sinner's prayer right now. The Lord led me to do that recently to make sure that anybody that's listening online can get saved. We don't know where people are listening. I want everybody in here to say this prayer with me out loud. The Bible says, if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I will be saved. Now, there's a whole life to live after that. That's how you get saved. And, and I don't know your past. I don't know about you, but I do know this. God's forgiveness is amazing. And sir, I want to tell you this morning that anything and everything you've ever done in your life, ever, is going to be forgiven right now. Right now. That's the amazing God that we serve. The, the back, this, this is what your life looked like when you came in. But if you give your life to Jesus, it's going to look like this. It's going to be wiped away. And I know it's hard to believe, but boy, is it true. Because Jesus paid the price for your sin. He paid the price for your sin. He paid the price for your sin. He paid the price for my sin and your sin on that cross. And we're doing what the Bible says. Put your faith. Because no one else could do it. I still only know of one person in the history of this world that beat that tomb. It was Jesus. They've never found his body and they never will. Because he rose from the dead. He conquered death. He defeated death. Amen. And the grave. And hell. By coming out of that grave alive. Amen. He lives today. Let's say this prayer. I want you to say it with me. Lord Jesus, I believe this morning that you are the son of the living God. I know that I'm a sinner. And I need a savior. I fall short of your glory. Jesus, I believe you paid a price on the cross for my life, for my sins. The wages of my sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. 
Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, conquered death, hell, and the grave. Jesus, write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Come in and take over my life and make me a new creation. Make me a new person this morning in Jesus' name. And devil, you cannot have me anymore. I'm not yours. I'm a child of God. Get out of my life. Get out of my thoughts. Get out of my mind. Get out of my body. Get out of my circumstances. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Bible says the angels are rejoicing in heaven right now. Amen. God bless you, buddy. Right where we're at, if you would, we're just gonna, we're gonna, you guys can stay here for a minute. We're just gonna sing a song. And I just want to take a few minutes. We're not afraid of the altar either. We're not afraid of opening up the altar for if you want to pray at your seats, you can. But we want to take a few minutes to take this message and do something with it. What does that mean? That means, okay, I, 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 I've, got, I've realized I got trust issues. Now, instead of just walking out and seeing what happens, we can deal with it right now. We can come and find a place at the altar. You can pray at your chair, whatever you want to do. But let these, let these verses resonate as we begin to sing. Let's just take a few minutes and say, God, I don't want to have trust issues anymore. God, I want to trust you with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength. As we sing this morning, let's just worship him for a few minutes.